Broadcasting live from our satellite studios in New York City, New York, it's time for the special on-the-road edition of Learning Insights, featuring learning professionals who are improving performance and driving business results. And we are back. Welcome back to Learning Insights Radio. Stone Payton, Lee Cantor here with you. Uh, this is this is the home stretch, man. This is the headliner, I know, right? The moment we've been waiting for. Yeah, so we've been doing this all day from Park Avenue here in the Helmsley Building. We've been talking to a lot of interesting, passionate, bright folks. But uh, here in our closing segment, we have an opportunity to visit with Senior Director Enterprise Training Strategy at a little company some of you may recognize called Pfizer Corporation. Please join me in welcoming to the show a gentleman who is also president of ATD New York City Metro, Mr. Bob Baker. How are you, man? Terrific. Great to be here, guys. So now you're here to talk about today changing an organizational culture. So uh, you have some scar tissue from changing some organizational cultures in the past? I can't say I can claim expertise there, but I certainly have lived through a culture that's been good and bad. Uh So you know what they look like. Mostly good, but yeah, I think we all have. Um, Yeah, I think just life gives you valuable experience with culture, but particularly um, working in a big company, yeah. So now when you say culture, is that, uh, is organizational culture different than maybe just the company's culture? I don't think so. I can give you the the textbook definition of a system of shared assumptions, values, and beliefs which govern how people are organized, their shared values, that have a strong influence on how they behave, Mm -hmm. how they dress, how they perform their jobs. I like the very simple definition of it's what people do when their boss isn't watching them. I like that one. (laughs) And I can remember that one. But it's so true, right? I mean, It is. It is. So now is, is culture, like if you were going to start an organization from scratch, can you say, okay, this is our culture, it's blank, and then you can build a company to that? Do you think that's possible? Or, you, or is the culture kind of organically happened from the people that you have that are part of it? Yeah, this is a great question. I don't think you can force it. I think it is organic, but it would start from the example of your leaders who will tell you, what's important in terms of business outcomes, how they like to interact with you. Are they going to be really interested in your birthday or are they going to be interested (laughs) in how are we doing in terms of creating value for our, our business, our 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 shareholders shareholders, and and our customers. Um, I think you can always build in things like your performance management systems and um, the way that you're going to reward people and, and, delegate work, but so much of it happens just in your informal discussions, how you hold meetings, how you hold people accountable, what that conversation sounds like, are leaders viewing themselves as coaches and mentors, or are they considering themselves tyrants and it's all about um, the the bottom line? Um, To me, that's how a, a culture is built. So just a real quick clarification here. Are you finding that in in some organizations, actual performance management and training is taking place as much in these informal scenarios as they are in a classroom or through other mediums, just just in daily life and living? Oh, sure. 
Yeah. I, I think so, too. I just, I'm just glad to hear somebody like with credentials say it and agree <laughs> with me. But no, I, I think a lot of training, performance management, mentoring, all this stuff we read the books about, a lot of it happens just down, down the hall, right? Walking to the cafeteria and stuff. Yeah, sure. Uh, we all know the 70-20-10 um, kind of rule of, rule of thumb, that only 10% of true development happens formally. I think it's even less. I think it's it probably <laughs> should be more like 2 or 3%. Wow. Right. And that there's a lot more happening between the classes. Um, yeah, for sure. For sure. So I want to know, how did you get started? Uh, what did you do before you did this kind of work? Did you have a real job like at some point before you... <laughs> Did you have like a different career or did you come out of school and go into this kind of work? I started in sales. In sales, okay. Yeah, I felt like I was, uh, I was in need of being a little bit more of an extrovert and um, yeah, just kind of getting out of my, my more reserved and, and quiet personality. So I started there, especially because Pfizer has a great training program. So you were part of Pfizer the whole time? Started with Pfizer. Wow. wow. Yeah. And they do, and always have had, at least. Uh, and I think they still do. A yeah. marvelous reputation for training and in, in sales in a lot of different disciplines, right? Yeah, yeah, fantastic. I then uh, stayed there for about five years, then went into marketing research, where I got my MBA at night, and we were talking last night about a program that uh, we, sh we went to together, um, where one of our panelists talked about getting his MBA at Duke and almost getting killed by it because it was so difficult. <laughs> right, it was so grueling. I, I, could, I could share <laughs> you could relate, that experience. Right? Yeah, because we were just starting our family and our, our daughter was colicky and it was pretty rough <laughs> going to school, holding a sales position and then the marketing research position uh, while, while going to school. Um, so then I went through marketing and learned a lot about uh, how to change behavior. Mm -hmm. Did that for a while. And then was able to work in a role where we were defining Pfizer's way of marketing and we then had to build the frameworks and then the training for how to, to, to socialize that throughout the organization. And that's what really moved me into, into talent development and uh, learned a lot through many mistakes, but learned a little bit about, I uh, actually learned a lot about what I really wanted to do. And it was this, and there's a, a real commonality to the two that marketing is about changing behavior. Mm -hmm. Well, so is training, right? All about changing <laughs> behavior. And you want to be really careful about what behavior you, you want to um, change. You just and, might get it. And, right. <laughs> right, right. You just might get it. And you could do it in a very costly way where you're spending a lot of advertising dollars on commercials that don't work. And you could see the analogy in training too, where we might be spending money on the most expensive intervention when in fact as you were saying earlier maybe it's not about the classroom always but in fact it could just be chatting up with somebody else down the hall who's right. done this before but so, just having leaders role model the behavior that you're trying to to achieve might have the same outcome yes indeed and now is that something that you can when you if you're going to go down this informal path can you put structure around that informal path to make it happen in you know, more organically throughout the uh, organization and spread kind of virally? I think you can. So you're asking, can you organize that? Right. And just, you know, build structure around informality. I believe you can. And I think the way you do it would probably vary based on the context in the organization. The way I would think about it is providing a, a, a learning architecture that that can take place. Mm -hmm. So there is easy access to whatever learning assets you need, frameworks, be nice to then have a list of who the subject matter experts are, who I can talk to, right? And then creating a platform that 
those exchanges can take place. That could be through technology, mm-hmm. but I really love the idea of just allowing people to have conversations and, and give them a platform so they can kind of organize amongst themselves to socialize the, whatever this change that you're trying to, um, to put forth. Yeah. But I also like an old school approach where it doesn't necessarily have to be a technology platform, but it could simply be, let's have lunch together. Right. <laughs> Everyone who's in our group <laughs> actually bring a brown paper bag and let's have a conversation about what's going on. Mm-hmm. So there must be a great many smart people walking the halls of a Pfizer, and there must be a great deal of attention put toward, and and I'm sure rightly so, harvesting that subject matter expertise, both as as a product of specific events, but also just as a product of having a whole bunch of smart people in the same building for a while. Do, Do you guys have, like, formal processes, you know, the Baker method for for extracting subject matter expertise or how do you go about getting the stuff mm. i've talked to many many marketing leaders uh, about what's their critical success factor in their career every single one of them says it's my network and there's no secret yeah. sauce on how they do it but it it is certainly giving attention to um the relationships that they build through their career and mm-hmm. and um taking advantage of what what Pfizer and many other cultures do. I've never asked a colleague a question and be turned down. They they're always happy to help out, and I think to collaborate that, and to share best practices. Always, in fact, it's flattering, mm-hmm. isn't it, when you're asked, "Hey, how did you do this? I'd really like right. to benefit from that." Yeah, but it, for some people, that's almost counterintuitive that they would somebody would share, or be vulnerable, or be open to sharing something like that. But in this industry, it seems like that's par for the course that most people are open to sharing. But do you get asked a lot by maybe younger people for that kind of help? Oh, sure. So that happens quite a bit? Yeah, and in our marketing groups, that happens all the time because you're faced with a particular marketing challenge and you saw that this brand has a commercial. Or right, this worked well else. for these guys that we might consider it. Now, do you have programs at Pfizer where you encourage this kind of mentoring and um you know, pairing people up to give them an opportunity, maybe in different areas, just to see how everybody can work together? We do. We have a formal mentoring program where you can dial in what is specifically you're looking for based on our competencies. And then there's a list of people that um, have agreed to participate in the program who match those credentials. And you then send them an invitation and... um, more times than not. In fact, almost always they say yes. So I've taken advantage of that a couple of times. You've been a mentor and a mentee? Yes. Which one do you find more uh, worthwhile for yourself? I think being a mentor because it's just fun to... It's really rewarding, I'll bet. Nobody ever asked me what I know, but I can look Mm -hmm. forward to... I mean, I think it would be fun to to share something like that. Yeah, Yeah, it's great. For someone being a mentor for the first time, do you have any tips for them? Like, how would you go about that, you know, to, to help the mentee the most? Surely it must be part, partly asking the right questions, right? Because you don't want to just dump all your smart stuff on them, right? You kind of want to... You got to know what they're trying to So I bet question, good questions is probably part of it. Yeah, and we talk a lot about um, the consulting, consulting skills that a talent development professional needs to have. Asking the right questions about what is it that's really going on yeah. so you can get to that root cause right. and then you can work from there to determine what would be the best way to approach that problem. Sometimes it's my own experience or a reference I have. Often it's 
talk to Gary down the hall. I, I don't know, but he would probably be right. able to he's help better you. suited to answer that. But yeah. so when you're asking those kind of questions, you can't really take their first thing they say as the core challenge they're having, right? Like, don't you have to kind of dig deeper? Isn't that part of the consultative approach? I think it depends. I think it depends. Uh, very often, in fact, every time I've had a relationship like this, you want to just get to know the person and get a feel for what's their learning style, what is their social styles, yeah. um, so that you can so you wanna, better, match, better match their needs. And it all just makes it and then, but you're enjoyable. not, but are you saying that you're uh, trying to discover more business stuff or just more personal? Are you trying to build personal rapport? More personal rapport. So the visual that I get, you know how I have a tendency to get visuals. Yes. The visual that I get for this mentoring program is that they have the logo shirts or actually the lab coats. <laughs> and it's like, and it's called Pfizer Friends and Friends is like PF. <laughs> the visual. But I want to ask you about the same idea of harvesting information, being collaborative, uh, transferring knowledge, hanging out with other smart, passionate people with, with, with common interest with regard to, to your experience with ATD New York uh, City, because this has been a big part of your life, especially recently. Mm. Can you just speak to that a little bit? Yeah, sure. I credit ATD New York City for getting me the job I have now because uh -huh. I'm relatively new to the field, and therefore my local membership allowed me to get smart fast mm -hmm. and build those relationships where I can ask a colleague, this is what I'm working on. How, how have you approached this, even in terms of what is learning strategy? And I had a colleague, uh, a friend, should I say, send me two decks that he's been working on um, for his organization. Mm -hmm. um, and it really helped me think through what job I was applying for so that I could then present myself with some ideas for, for how, to, <laughs> how to address right. what, what that role requires. Uh, and still today, I find that um, whenever I have a question, I at least have two or three people that I can get some kind of insight outside the company, which makes our decisions inside the company feel a little more comfortable if we can validate that with companies like us and sometimes not like us. Um, we're always looking to benchmark and know what works. Uh, so yeah, I think my ATD local relationship have been terrific that way. And I do think that is a culture that talent development has almost unique that there is a real altruistic um, disposition. Right. Yeah. I, I found when I went to marketing conferences, there wasn't always that sense of collaboration. It was much more of a competitive situation. In some cases, where our brands are literally competing against each other in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. So there's no sharing there. But I find uh, in in training the perspectives are a lot different. Very often because we tend to, to be working by ourselves with the business and it's kind of lonely, yeah. kind of nice to have some, <laughs> some friends who are struggling with some of the, the, the same challenges of, of being the, the lone voice in the desert. And then you're coming from a learning culture, so learning is a component of it, so people are curious and want to learn from everybody. That's true. And they want to help the other person learn it, but we saw this uh, altruism, I think was the, the word you used a moment ago. Well, we saw it in spades last night. Yeah. At, at the CLO uh, panel thing, I mean, these are three folks at the, you know, arguably at the pinnacle of their career, uh, very accomplished, and uh, some some questions that I thought were really good had been crafted in, in general just to put in front of them, and they invested the time and energy, all three of them, on all the questions 
to respond with some some substantive. You could tell they had put some thought into this. They didn't phone it in, if you will. And so not only did they do that, um, but they were also just seemed to be so approachable and generous with their time and energy. And they were truly uh, collegial the whole time. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, you had a packed house, and you know, after that thing was over, usually when I've seen meetings like that, Lee, you know, it's like the it's like the bell rings at school, right? Boom! <laughs> and they were they hung out and chatted, and, and and everybody did. So you guys have really got something special going here, don't you? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I agree. I couldn't I couldn't have said it better. And I and I tell you that the audience was so hungry for the input from the CLOs. They just it seemed like that. There was always another question, and and the CLOs patiently answered all the questions. You know, it was a, a really amazing event, and um, we're proud to be part of that. So the way this thing works, um, you'll you're on some sort of rhythm, probably. So are you are you stepping down soon, or have you got like a another like a term left, or or, or do you need new talent? And it, what's the what's the rhythm there for ATD? Uh, the board, yeah, yeah. I'll be stepping down in December. Okay, and then we'll stay on the board as past president, mm-hmm. as part of our secession planning, and we have a president-elect who will be coming on. Already identified, that's handled. Yep. He or yep. she knows who they are, and that's, okay, good. Yeah, so it's a three-year commitment to be president because you have your onboarding right, nice. and a mentoring. Right, The president right. who's ment- mentoring the mentee, the president-elect, and I guess then the past president is maybe the sage advisor who might be coaching the, the president. Now, uh, have you been part of ATD your whole career? No, I started just maybe five years ago. Oh, I was really? Doing the, the marketing gig before that. So now that you've been part of it, um, how would you recommend like a new person in the field? Do you think that that's a, that this is a must-have or must-go-to uh, association to join if you're in the field? I think so. I think it's always good to stay current in your profession, and it's so hard sometimes to sift that all out and. Uh, an association like this helps you do that. Mm-hmm. And it helps you with your network, like you said. Huge. So it, and you're getting the education, you're getting the collaboration, and you're getting a network that can help you get your next job. So, yes. I mean, it really is, if, especially a young person getting into the field, it seems like a no-brainer. Yeah, I agree. And is this a good field, in your opinion, a good field for a young person Surely there's a tremendous amount of opportunity, just even with respect to this one topic that we've talked about in this one conversation, this cultural change or this organizational change. uh, There's got to be a great deal of opportunity for the young person that's genuinely interested in this in this arena. Yes, I think the need for talent development professionals will grow because it's not going away. Right. The the need Mm -hmm. to be learning organizations and to be agile uh, is only going to increase what role they play in that new reality, it will change for sure. You're talking about trying to facilitate Mm -hmm. social learning, uh, curation of content. Um, Those are very different skills than the conventional skills. Um, But to me, that's really exciting. But yeah, I I don't think there's going to be a a paucity of, of demand for talent development professionals it is exciting and now i have a word i can go look up after the uh right. after the broadcast <laughs> no i've had to look up a half a dozen so don't, don't <laughs> feel, uh, thank you so much for coming to visit thank you for yesterday evening that was a marvelous experience thank you for the work that you're doing at atd ny 
and let's do this again. You know, next time we swing through New York, or uh, let's catch up with you again. See what you what you've been up to, man. That'd be great. All right. Thank you, guys. I think Lee, that's a, a wrap, right? I think so. All right. It's been a marvelous day uh, for Lee Cantor. This is Stone Payton. We'll see you next time on Learning Insights. This has been a special Business Radio X production brought to you by Training Pros, your source for local learning and development experts. Learn more at training-pros.com.